everyone, and welcome back to the Women in Tech Policy podcast, Access Partnerships' new podcast that um, has conversations with uh, members of Access Partnership and women working in the area of tech and tech policy. Today we have with us Erica Barros, who's the Director of Policy at Vimeo. Erica, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for being with us. So just wanted to really start off, and if you wouldn't mind telling us about your background and how you came to serve as the Director of Policy at Vimeo. Of course. So I'm trained as a lawyer. I'm originally from Mexico, so I studied law there and worked in corporate law for a few years. Then I went to the U.S. to do a master's and stayed working in New York, where I moved more into sort of the, the policy consultancy space. And more and more, I just started getting very interested in in, in, in how, you know, how the legal framework that is going to bind companies and dictate how companies should act gets created and how the many different stakeholders get involved in the process and influence the process. Um, so yeah, after a few years of doing that, I started working at Access Partnership, as you know, I'm a, an Access Partnership alumni. Um, and then it just uh, become, became for me the natural move to, to go in-house and to help a company that I deeply respect and that I, I really like, like Vimeo, uh, uh, continue to do its thing, grow in a sustainable way, and uh, help guide the debates that are that are shaping the framework that uh, that applies to to the tech industry in general and platforms like Vimeo. Um, from, as an insider, uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I got here today. Great, thanks so much for that overview. A little bit about myself actually is I'm also interested in the legal space. So definitely be curious to hear about how you think your training as a lawyer you know, has been really helpful. Again, like you said, we're working in that space with businesses and a little bit more directly with the policy space. Yeah, it's been it's been really, really helpful. I think, you know, the legal training at, to, to begin with gives you a very good mental framework to, to just analyze things, to understand things, to 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 uh, break down the, the different complex elements that, that, that make, for example, a, a piece of regulation. Um, so it, it's just, you know, as a training, it's a fantastic first step to then build upon and, and, to, and to, to start building on a, on a career. Um, and, and, you know, like uh, the training you get as well working in, 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 in a law firm, it's a very rigorous training. You're, you're, you're held up to really high standards. So, you know, every aspect of the, of the development of a, of a young lawyer, which I once was, uh, not that that's any, it's quite far away already, but... Uh, it, it, it's been fundamental in, in, in the work I do today and how I analyze things, how I uh, deal with issues, and even how I collaborate with different teams and different stakeholders. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned that you worked in a couple of different roles and spaces, but I'm curious what, you know, in your current role at Vimeo, what a day-to-day looks like for you, um, you know, especially yeah. working at such a global company. Yeah, so I, I'd say I have, uh, in Vimeo, I have three main uh, roles, major roles. Uh, the first one is just keeping abreast, keeping informed and updated of all the different developments in, in policy and regulation worldwide, really. Uh, I, I mean, I say worldwide because obviously we are a global company. I focus on, I tend to focus on the US, Europe, so the main, you know, places where we where we offer our services and have our, our, our customer base. But yeah, generally it's globally. To just make sure that I, I know what's coming for, uh, at us and that I, we, I can prepare the company, uh, uh, for what's coming, right? So that's the first bit. The second bit is engaging with stakeholders to make sure we are part, the, the voice of Vimeo is heard in all of the different debates and processes that are taking place worldwide uh, uh, in terms of policy development uh, and hopefully you know, help prevent regulation that could be very negative for the tech industry generally, but also for companies 
of a smaller size like Vimeo, which are not you know the, the, the four dominant platforms out there. Uh, because what happens, what tends to happen, and what I've seen happen is that you know debates, important debates, tend to get uh, kidnapped by by four or five big companies, and then the voices of the rest are a little bit um, smothered. So I try to you know my, my work is also to to just make sure I'm engaging in, with all the stakeholders, relevant stakeholders, uh, external stakeholders to, to make sure we are heard in that sense. And then the third one is to make sure that whatever is happening outside, I reflect inside and, and I can draft the different, I can help draft the different types of policies and processes that that are going to guide the work of the company. I work very, very closely with, particularly with the trust and safety team that is a team that is in charge of enforcing Vimeo's terms of service, particularly when it comes to content moderation, which is a big, big area, obviously, for us. We, we are a, a, a platform that hosts user-generated user content, so all of these uh, issues are very important to us. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say those are the three main, the three areas that, that make the most of my, of my work. So within those three functions, and you also can break this out generally beyond what you've done at Vimeo, what are some of the most interesting projects or challenges that you've worked on? I'd honestly say all of them have uh, are interesting in one way or another. Whether it's because they require me to 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 be a bi a bridge builder inside the company between the trust and safety team and the product development team, or or whether it's because you have to go out and try to speak with the policymakers and regulators that are that are you know creating these new laws that are going to to apply to us. So each project has its own uh, very very interesting and very challenging aspect. But I have to say that recently, obviously, the, 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 we are part of a, a coalition of smaller companies in the United States called Internet Works that, that are trying to, to, to influence the debate around Section 230, which, as you may know, is, 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 is the law that basically regulates the Internet ecosystem in the United States and, and that particularly impacts how we moderate content. Uh, and also uh, the work that we're doing around the DSA in Europe and more recently, I've been working really closely with Ofcom in the UK, uh, specifically with their VSP regime and the, the online harms uh, uh, regime as well, which has been fascinating. So yeah, I'd say those very, very interesting pieces of work that I'm doing at the moment. So to kind of go off of that, something that you mentioned a little bit earlier is this work within like the digital economy, you know, specifically in like the DSA and whatnot. Um, and how there's a distinction between smaller and larger players in the space. So something I'm curious about is, you know, that relationship between both policymakers and businesses and those open channels of communication, especially for smaller businesses about how they communicate um, and how they can really teach each other different things about regulation and how to craft kind of the best possible digital economy regulation. Um, so I'm curious to hear a little bit more about your work in that space and you know, if there's any lessons that businesses and policymakers can take away from each other. Yeah, sure. So basically, I, I think that there's uh, uh, there's things to learn from both sides for sure. I'm a big, big advocate of collaboration and of uh, uh, dialogue and of creating open channels of communication. And I think that we're getting there. I, I've seen recent examples, as I said, with Ofcom, Ofcom being one of them, of, of regulators that really want to hear the voice of, of, of industry and not only the two or three or four dominant players, but everyone that is going to be affected by a particular regime. And I think that's crucial. Um, from, from the business perspective, we can learn to, again, collaborate and be open and share best practices and, and explain, be, be more, much more open about what worries us, what we can do, how we can help and more engaged in processes. Um, 
and you know just as in a business if you want to to, to, to a business to grow and, and to, to have a sustainable growth you need to make sure every single team within the company is working together and towards the same objective and it doesn't it's the same principle when, when it comes to creating the right ecosystem and the right framework to regulate that ecosystem yeah absolutely um, I think that collaboration element is really valuable you know not just we're talking about policy and regulation in one specific country or for one specific company, but when we're talking about the global ecosystem, um, you know, across companies that are operating in different areas, governments as well, making sure that there's active you know, collaboration between the European Union and the United States, for example, um, and, you know, how we move forward with a really cohesive framework. You're absolutely right, because none of these regulations exist in a vacuum. And there's very, very few companies nowadays that operate exclusively locally. Most companies are trying to go global. It's just the nature of, of the times we're living in. So you're absolutely right about that. Totally agree. Great. So I know you touched on a couple of the policy issues that you've been working on with Vimeo, you know, from content moderation to the BSA, um, you know, online harms in the UK. Um, so I'm curious to hear from you a little bit about what you think the most pressing policy issues facing you and your team, you know, right now, 10 years from now, you know, what's coming down the pike? Yeah, yeah, for a company like us, who, as I said, we, we basically deal with user-generated content, I think content moderation and intermediary liability is going to continue to be a main priority and, and a main issue around which we need to work and, and where we, we want to make sure that our voice is heard so that whatever comes out in whatever jurisdiction, we're able to work with and we can actually continue operating in that particular jurisdiction. Um, so yeah, I'd say, to be honest, for the next 10, 20, 30 years, it's, it's going to be the same thing. <laughs> Content moderation and, and intermediary liability for sure. And you know, in the end, there are many, many issues that, that impact those two or that are related to those two, like from antitrust to privacy. So everything is connected in, in that space. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of these um, tech policy issues, especially those related to the internet, really are intertwined. Um, you know, something that we've touched on earlier was this difference between smaller, you know, medium and large size platforms. And so I'm curious to hear from you, you know, having worked in, you know, across that ecosystem, you know, what are the challenges facing small businesses? You know, do they have the right channels of communication with regulators? You know, how can we better ensure that small businesses are getting their voices heard when we're talking about, you know, drafting and updating these internet regulations? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, more and more, I see companies coming together to, to join forces, whether it's in formal coalitions or just adult groups that, that to create a specific piece of work for a specific purpose. Uh, but I do have to say that uh, that's recent. So obviously, many of us are part of trade associations, for example, but these tend to, to have a very large membership that has to cater to the interests of all its members. So the, the smaller voices can get lost in that in in that process but but yeah i have to say that there if i had one ask for policymakers and regulators in the us and europe and, and everywhere really would be to really make sure they are bringing the smaller companies to the table and really listening to the, what they have to say and that they don't uh, uh, produce regulation that is just trying to curb a few of the dominant players because inevitably it will impact us as well right so uh, and to avoid that and to make sure that we can all keep playing the game and we can all be part of this ecosystem, you need to hear our voices and you need to we need, you need to make sure that we're not only represented and have a seat at the table, but w that what we say and that the feedback, feedback we're providing is actually reflected in the regulation that eventually uh, is enacted and, and is going to regulate us.
one of the best advice I received quite early on from my, in my career was, uh, and this is, I mean, it may be too specific, but I remember them telling me, if you're ever interrupted by a man when you're talking in a meeting or a conference call or whatever it is, without being rude, you don't need to be rude, but always say, excuse me, I was in the middle of making my point. Can you let me please finish? And then you can go ahead. And I actually found, have found that quite useful throughout my career because it is true, like whether we like it or not, we're still kind of like sometimes, particularly in countries like, like Mexico, where I come from, um, you're not always given, you know, the space and the opportunity to, to, to prove yourself and to, and to, to express your opinion. So I found that really, really good advice uh, early on in my career. And just generally, when it comes to uh, any industry really, but tech, tech industry in particular, just keep pushing to be part of that industry and to understand technology and to be a geek about how, how things work. This is not an area that should be reserved for men in any way, or, you know, like, we, we, but we need to get passionate about it. We need to show that we care, that we understand that we, and it's unfortunately up to us at the moment to keep pushing for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as someone who is relatively in the beginning of my tech policy career and you know, having worked in tech for a little while, I think, you know, that just pushing for it absolutely has made a huge difference. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am right now if I hadn't, you know, very vocally advocated for myself. And you know what, I'll add one more piece of advice to that, which is something it took me, I actually never fully did, and I, I regret that. Find a mentor and don't be shy about asking that person to be your mentor. Uh, there's more and more women very willing to help and that want to be mentors for others. Uh, so just, you know, go for it. Ask, uh, re send that email, make that phone call and make your ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. So yeah, important to have a mentor that can guide you and can open doors for you for sure. And men do it all the time. So yeah, it's, it's, not, it's nothing to be ashamed of or, or, or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, going off of that, if there is any uh, three words that you just describe, you know, the mentality that someone should have coming into tech policy, you know, what three word job advice would you have given yourself? You're no imposter. I think women suffer from the imposter syndrome. I, I certainly did. Sometimes I still do. Uh, so that would be it. You're no imposter. Keep that, like tattoo that in your head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would say that's actually probably one of the most difficult things that I've had to come over in my career so far um, is feeling that I belong in the room and that I'm there for a reason. And even when I have like doubts in myself for what value I contribute, um, knowing that you know I'm there for a reason and just sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but just continuing to move forward and educating myself in different things. Um, and really everyone provides a value. I absolutely couldn't agree more. I think that's definitely something that myself and a lot of my you know, female friends and coworkers have really struggled with. Yeah, yeah, totally. I did for sure as well, still do as I said, so yeah. So uh, one last speed question for you. Um, you know, what's been on your reading list recently? What's your favorite book, podcast, um, you know, across the pandemic, has anything really stuck out to you? Oh yes, I've, I've read a few amazing books. Uh, I, I just finished reading one about uh, Korean immigration to Japan uh, called Pachinko, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, that's kind of like a historic, it's a novel, but it's a, uh, and in terms of more kind of fictional, real, I, I read one that's called The Murmur of the, Be the Beast, which is I think by a Mexican author. 
um, yeah, it must be because it's based in Mexico and it just, uh, it's much more magical and, and it's about, you know, uh, it brings in that kind of like surreal um, feel to, to it, which I, I, I absolutely loved. Um, and then I also read one which is called Midnight Library, which I also found really, really, really good. It's about all the different possible lives you could have lived. Uh, so it's, you know, very different types of books, but I really enjoyed all of them. Any podcasts, you know, how you've been keeping yourself busy across the pandemic? You know, I actually don't listen to that many podcasts, I have to be honest with you. Uh, I mainly read, uh, you know, Kindle or actual, you know, paperback. Um, so yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a huge podcast listener. Uh, but I did, uh, you know, I, I do occasionally listen to, to Tim Ferriss, which I always find refreshing and, and fun. Uh, that's always a, a good light uh, listen. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say those. And I actually, I got to, I, I had always wanted to hear to the, the serial post podcast, the original, the American one. And I, I had never done, and I had always wondered like what, what, what the first pass was about. So I did uh, do that podcast and I really enjoyed it actually. It's really, really well made. I have to say, I think I'm like the one person in the U.S. who has not listened to that. Had listened to it, and I had not so. <laughs> Finally, got be on my to-do list for August. Yeah, it, it's it's entertaining. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Erica. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, you know, I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon out in London. 